Welcome back to the Beaver Banter Podcast. I'm Nick Daschle, and I cover Oregon State football and basketball for the Oregonian and Oregon Live. Has anyone slept since that uh, that Beavers midnight miracle down on the farm where they where the Beavers beat Stanford 28-27? I know it must have left for people getting to bed late that night because it was pretty pretty exciting finish. Kyle, I'm assuming you 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 were there. You you watched the game um, television or some somehow i was at home stayed up till about 12 o'clock had to watch it the whole way through yeah so i was i was obviously at the game i I, in fact i was standing about uh, oh maybe five to ten yards from trey sean harrison where he caught the ball over over the over the corner's shoulder and helmet and pulled it down and i guess that's probably a good place to start in this game because well that's what won the game um as a defensive back, what, what what did you see on that play? I mean, truly honest, I saw great coverage. I just saw a better play and somebody that wanted it more by a receiver. I mean, he somehow stuck it, snuck it like right beside his head, and uh, he was over. To, he was able to get the ball, pull it over, and turn around and take it for six, which was an amazing play. Uh, probably the highlight of the whole game. But it was a great play by the receiver. Great coverage by the DB. It just it wasn't in his luck at that moment. So one that's come up a little bit from people I've talked to is they wondered what the safety was doing. He he kind of stood there and I don't know if he was stunned at what was going on or what, but he kind of stood there and he, he gave Harrison just enough of a beat there to, to get past him. Yeah, so when I was looking at it, I, I think that the safety was actually supposed to be over top. But I think because of the placement of where the corner was, it just seemed like, you know, the ball was going to be, you know, like uh, incompletion. Game would be over really almost after that. But um, I think he was just sort of stunned at that moment where it just sort of threw him off that he actually had caught the ball and turned up and just started going. So like, you know, like in that in those moments, it's like, oh, what do you do? Because you just like, oh, I think the game's over. I don't know where the ball went. And then all of a sudden you see him take off. I mean, it's hard to sort of recover from that where you're like, oh, now I got to actually track him down, run him down and somehow get a saving tackle, which, yeah, I'm happy he wasn't able to. I imagine I I imagine of all that's got to be a, a, a defensive back's worst nightmare is a play like that. Um, you know, one where you, you think you got it. And next thing you know, the guy's five yards in the clear and there's no chance of catching him. And, the game, and it's and it's for the game. I've never had one happen to me where it was in the like for a do or die of winning the game. I've had one happen in a game and you sort of blink and you're like, Oh, he didn't catch it. And all of a sudden you see either somebody stand up and it's like, yeah. And the crowd's going wild. And you're just like, wait, he actually caught that. And you actually got to look at it on instant replay. Like I would have never thought he did caught it. So, I mean, yeah, as a corner safety, it's your worst luck moment. Somebody made a Houdini play. Yeah. When, uh, you know, Treshawn Harrison, he went in the season. I, you know, he was he was kind of the de facto number one receiver for Oregon State, but he really hadn't proven that you know he was legit. And then he had a couple of struggle games where it was drops, and and people wondered, you know, is is he really the guy? And I think over the last four or five games, he he's he's really proven he's he, he's Oregon State's best receiver, big play guy. He's not imposing by any means, but what what do you see from from Harrison as, as a receiver, you know, as somebody that, you know, you, you would be covering. 
So what I see from Harrison as a receiver, like as a fan and a corner point of view, is he has all the attributes to be one of our, like to be that number one receiver and very nationally known. But then at the same time, he has inconsistent moments where it's like early in the game, he'll drop a wide open one. He'll drop another one, like simple passes. But then when you need him to make spark plays, that's where he always prevails. And it's like, shocking and amazing and it's like you love it and it's like now i just wish you as a fan it's like catch the simple ones but like as a fan you're like this is the guy we got to go to since musgrave is out and he will show up and he'll show you that light in those moments that's needed most yeah um so 28 27 oregon state wins i i don't think i'm breaking news here by saying oregon state didn't play well i mean on either side of the ball really uh, but I mean, they had some moments, but it, it probably wasn't uh, – it definitely wasn't one of the top three performances of the season. And But, you know, they won the game, and that's uh, – it doesn't really matter if you win ugly. It, it's still a win. Um, I mean, it's great to play well, but I'm guessing Oregon State would take this one any day over the USC game, where which might have been their best game they played, and they lost. So um, what – what sort of impact does does a win like this have on a team going forward? You know, one where you, you don't play well and you miraculously come out with a win. I mean, if I'm Coach Smith, I'm going in the locker room like, yeah, you guys, hey, that was not our best game, but you got to look at the overall picture. A win's a win, and now we're four and two. We need to just keep this rolling and keep the momentum of the wins. And so, you know, hopefully they come up and they go, that wasn't our best game, but we did what we had to do to get out of it and come up with a win and we just need to start sacking again, especially with the two streak lose losses. Uh, Oregon state just needs to really like they've turned it over on this one. And now they just need to keep it moving and just keep playing better and better week in and week out. And, you know, stop all the little penalties, no fights, no nothing. It's just, they just need to, you know, heads down and they need to see the, you know, the big pictures bowl game pack 12 and so on and so forth. My my sense is that uh, when the team got together yesterday for meeting, you know, going over video and stuff, Jonathan and the coaches, while they were happy they won the game, they, I think they pounded their fist pretty hard on on the table about the performance and what what needs to what needs to be fixed and what needs to change because they're not going to win many games going forward playing like that. And I that was that was my sense is that. You know, there's there was so many things that that just need to be cleaned up in that game, but but regardless, uh, you know, Oregon State's four and two. Um, you know, the big picture they had in the second half, they got four of their six games at home. Um, you know, some really winnable games, Colorado and California for sure. You know, Washington State's going to be difficult, but it's at home. Arizona State is starting to look like a, a bit of a challenge, but that's a doable game. And then the Huskies at, up at the Husky Stadium in Oregon to finish the season off. So, I mean, it, another four and two record second half of the year is certainly possible. And, you know, maybe even, maybe even five out of six. Um, what, what do you see as possible here the second half of the season? So, I mean, coming from this game, and I wanted to speak about this too, I've noticed a trend with the new, or I'm going to call them the revamped Oregon State. 
is that they have all the ability to be great, but they love to play at the competition's level. So, you know, like you get a decent team and they'll play decent, but they're going to try to come out with the win. You play USC, a top ranked team, and they're going to play to that level. So they have all the potential. Um, when you look in the next few games where we got four, six at home, I mean, we're always great at home. I see us doing well at home. And as long as we're playing to the ability that we can play at and then starting to see that, that they are a better team than what they play at. I say that like out of the next six games, we have opportunity to go five and one. Yeah. I mean, I mean, uh, another four and two stretch second half gets you at eight and four and probably, you know, something along the lines of a holiday bowl or Vegas bowl or something like that. You go five, you win five of your last six, you're nine and three, you know, the bowl games really start to get pretty good. And then shoot who, I mean, who's to say they couldn't, you know, sweep the sweep the final six and get to ten and two, and maybe shoot. There's maybe their stuff blows up and they get in the Pac-12 title game. But I know we're kind of getting ahead of ourselves, especially after the game Saturday, which was a win. But man, it didn't didn't you know? I, I'm guessing it didn't impress either one of us. You know, you know, from a technical standpoint, but. So, you know, let's look, I, I think, I think what Saturday did for sure was assure that there's going to be a bowl game. I mean, it's hard to imagine they're not going to win at least two games down the stretch and get to at least six. So that win, that win was big in that respect. So, um, I don't know if you got anything else on that, but, uh, I was going to get just kind of, let's start breaking down the game. Um, starting with Ben Gulbertson, his first start at quarterback, he was, uh, 20 out of 28 for 250 yards and uh, two touchdowns, including the game-winning throw. Um, what did what did you think of Ben's first start as a at quarterback for Oregon State? You know, I don't think he played too bad. Uh, he made decent throws. On top of there's really no turnovers. That that's the thing that makes me happiest. You know, he got through the game. He worked well and. I think that it's not just him that needs uh, to, you know, I think as time goes on, he'll get better. I think it's an overall team aspect. That's why the game was so, it was low energy. It was um, animosity towards the other team. There was no fight in the game. It was all external, like where they had more beef towards the other team as an individual's players, whereas not trying to win the game. So I think that he sort of played his part. He did well. I think it was an overall team thing that really brought why it didn't look so well. So I think he played well in his position. You know, he did what he could, especially first start. He came out with the win on his first game. So that's all you can really ask for, for a first time starting quarterback. Yeah, I thought, uh, I mean, obviously there were some issues with Ben maybe holding on to the ball too long because he took four sacks and Oregon State's only given up two sacks in their first five games. So Hard to pin all that on the offensive line. I'm pretty sure some of that was on Ben, but his, you know, some of those throws he made. The one he made to Silas Bolden on fourth down in the end zone that that was as good as you could throw a football. I mean, right in the right spot, and Bolden makes the perfect play there. I mean, he had some others, other throws that were pretty remarkable too. Um, we don't know what's going to happen this week you know, in terms of a starting quarterback uh, at, at the moment. Chance Nolan is he's in concussion protocol 
it's not a neck strain. He's got he, he he's in a concussion protocol, so we don't know when he'll get cleared. If he does, it's possibly the one one of those two could start. But I I say at this moment, it's probably going to be it's probably going to be Galbrandson. Um, kind of what are your thoughts on the differences between those two quarterbacks? There's a lot of upside to Chance Nolan, but with as many interceptions as there was, I would still take my chance on Goldberson just because, I mean, even though he held the ball too long at times, you got to give it to him. It's his first start. You know, he's really trying to get used and acclimated to everything. I see him prevailing more times than not and playing better. He threw two the week before, but at the same time, you know, just let him get used to everything. Let him figure out the offense. Let him get all the confidence that he needs and, you know, I like the way he moves. He moves well. Um, yeah, he can hold the ball too much, but those are little things you can work on. And yeah, he makes great throws. I think both quarterbacks are great, but at this moment, if you know, it depends with sort of how long the season goes and how he does next game, or if you give him another start, I think they should take their chances on him and try to see what happens. And then from there, really, you know, go back to seeing. Uh, what quarterback to really start. But right now, I'm going with him over Chance Nolan. Yeah, I thought going into this game, if Ben looked really good, he I thought he would be the starter for the rest of the season. I don't think he did enough Saturday to, 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 to say that definitively. But if he gets another start and he works out some of those kinks, I can definitely see Ben being the starter the rest of the season. You know, he just he, he, he can just make plays in the passing game that – not to say chance can't, but it just he just has a he just has a better bigger arm. So, so I we'll see, we'll see what happens Saturday. Um, one thing that did come out of Saturday's game was the running game. Running game was was better than it's been all year. Some of that's obviously due to Stanford. Their run defense isn't isn't the best, but there was some explosiveness out of the running game. They averaged six yards a carry. Um, you know, we, we saw Damian Martinez break a long one for a touchdown. Uh, we saw Deshaun Fenwick really hit some some good runs up the middle. Jam Griffin had some had some run decent runs. I, I just thought the running game was a positive from Stanford. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, Martinez is finally starting to come into his own. I think he's starting to understand everything, you know, starting to get those bigger feet than just a freshman, which is really nice to see. I think with Griffin getting the ball a lot more, it shows that our run game is getting a lot, a lot better. Uh, I'm still trying to figure out Fenwick, where at times I feel like, you know, he could have, and there was one play where they they set the seas wide open for him. So, you know, he had 10 yards before even getting touched. And when he did, he fell. And so, like, you know, every once in a while, I'm like, I just want to see those yak yards, the yards after carry, like after contact. Like, I need to see your six foot, six two. Like 215, I need to see you hit somebody with that 215 and break it and then, you know, move on to the third level. And so I think he has the potential, but at times he still falls after first hit, which is at times frustrating to me. Uh, Griffin might be smaller, but at the same time, he takes contact, runs with it, and then still keeps it going. And he could take a third, second and third, and then he still might still be going. So at time, I think he's one of the more primary backs, but our run game looked great this week, which again, you know, Stanford's defense isn't a run stop as well, but I think it's a great confidence booster to build off of. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that. I, I, I've thought the same thing about Fenwick. He, he, he does run hard. 
until he gets until he gets hit, and then he does tend to go down more often than not. And I, I'm sure that's something they're working on. That you know, you've you the difference between being a an average back and a and a good back is somebody that can you know make extra yards after getting hit the first couple times. So, but I yeah I I think he remains a starter just because he. You know he he he's he can run up the middle and and he does give him some give him some production in that area. But I don't know. It's I, I still think at some point Damian Martinez is going to be the going to be the starting running back. But you know that remains to be seen. Maybe 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 these next two games, you know, we'll see how it goes. And then after the bye week, maybe they maybe they start turning to one guy and and really working him over. But. Um, and and the uh, and the other thing in that in that regard is that all three have been you know none of them been worn down through these six games so they all should be pretty fresh going into November. I think that's a positive is that you have such unique backs where you have Martinez, Fenwick, and Griffin, and including Lowe with uh, he's coming back. But because they're so unique in their all own way, you have the ability to keep them all fresh throughout the whole season where they're not just wearing and tearing completely on their body. So I think that's a positive of having so depth, the depth of the backs, but at the same time, they still do. They need to find that primary primary guy. And I think Martinez will be that guy, whether it's later this season or it's the start of next season. I see him like, you know, being that primary and with Griffin being a sophomore, uh, you know, they have that great second person to third person fourth. So I think it's really good though. Yeah, that's true about Trey Lowe. Um, we forgot about him. Jonathan did say today that he's he's getting closer. I he says that a lot. I'm beginning to think that we may see him after the bye week, and that's just a guess. But I I, I think he's somebody you know you could probably expect to see at some point in November, and maybe it's right after the bye week. But uh, red zone issues, boy, this team had none of them early in the season. But they also had Luke Musgrave. They don't have Luke Musgrave right now. They may not have him the rest of the year. Um, that's something I'm, I'm writing about on Oregon Live here later today is about Luke Musgrave. But uh, they get the last couple of games they've got in the red zone, and it's been turnovers and it's been field goal attempts. Very few, very few touchdowns coming out of that. I don't, I don't know how you fix that other than you just got to come up with the right mix of plays with the players you've got on the field now to, to make it happen. Maybe, maybe it's more Jack Coletto. I don't know. What, what, do you, what are you seeing on the red zone stuff? I mean, I a hundred percent agree with you. I think it's not even the mix of plays. The play calling is not the issue in my opinion. Um, as much as I hated listening to coach Anderson say this, it's the buy-in. You have to buy in when you get to the red zone. That's the moment that your eyes light up and everything goes green. Like you should be like, I put in a hard work down the field. It's time to pay it off. And so they need to be able to, you know, hunker down more and be ready because all these flags pushing us back, the interceptions and the field goals. It's like, why go all that way for something for either nothing or little to nothing? I think they need to buy in more, understand Coach Smith's making the right play call and they got to just want it. Cause I feel like in times when you get to the red zone, the playbook is wide open between the 20 to the 10 to the five. Like you can do so much and it gives the defense. There's so much room that you can do so many things. They need to understand that coach Smith's calling a play for an exact reason. And we just got to put it to full, uh, you know, like 
his scenario, exactly how he thinks it can go, it should be able to go like that. But they just need to understand we can't have any defaults or any wrongs of our own to set us back. Or we need to be able to hunker down and just fight through this because it's going to happen. We should score. Like Oregon State went from one of the best red zone teams to I don't know where they've been at the last two weeks. I mean, so it's it's frustrating to see. And it's it's really up to that O-line, receivers, drop balls, the quarterback, no interceptions, and just no flags. It's like you just got to get in. It's You're there. What's the point in not getting – what's the point in not scoring if you're going to get all the way down there? Yeah, I, I I think if I'm if I'm right, I think the one time they did score in the red zone happened to be it was a it was set up by the freshman tight end who caught a, a Jack Velling who caught an 18 yard pass at the one. It was another great throw and catch. Um, that that was the only, I mean that was the only red zone opportunity I, I, as I recall from that game. And I know they kicked a couple of field goals and, and missed or they missed a field goal and they, they were able to kick another one after, after missing the first one, but get, but getting it in on a penalty, um, which leads me to my next thing penalties. God, this team just keeps shooting itself in the foot with penalties. It's, 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 it's just something you don't, you don't expect to see out of a veteran team, but, but the drives are getting, are just getting destroyed by penalties. And um, I don't know. It seemed like against Stanford, it was almost like Stanford had in the back of their head, they could get in Oregon state's head a little bit. And, and they were kind of getting a little chippy there in the first half and, you know, drew them into some personal fouls. Um, So I don't know how you, I mean, I guess that's, I mean, outside of, outside of running up or doing up downs and practice and running extra, I don't know how much more you can do the penalties. Let's see, Oregon State had nine, nine for 90 against Stanford, which um, wasn't a season high. And, and actually, you know, penalties weren't an issue against Utah. Um, they only had three that game and, and, you know, they didn't have a a terrible amount against USC, but they've had some early in the year, and then it just came up in a, in a in a big way against Stanford. Like I said, and I think they had nine, and there's probably a couple that don't even count because they were offsetting or whatnot. So um, I don't know how you fix that. I was annoyed that I'd actually have to hear the ref talk and him on camera more than I saw the game. I feel like he was on camera half the game and like they the commentators uh because it was rg3 they were literally saying oh there's the ref again oh there's the ref i'm pretty sure he's gonna make his own tv show this time because he was on the screen just as much as the game and so you know i think it it really goes down to being detailed and you know like they're just not detailed enough where the false starts the holding like if you're there, just let it go. If if you can't get it, can't get the block, let it go. You know, you got yards, call it what it is. But I think it's it literally comes down to the detail. And it that's a matter of grit and want and understanding more so than just doing something dumb, especially all like the uh you know, the pat like the pass interferences on top of the personal fouls. Like, why are you fighting with the other team? Like you're hurting yourself, just you're not hurting them. You're hurting me. You're hurting yourself. And so it's like, you know, man up, own it, go to the next plane. If you want to hit them, hit them in a game, not after the flag's already called, not after the whistle's already blown. And so it's just 
you know, it's just self-discipline. So that's something that Oregon State needs to work on and the details. So, I mean, I don't know. I'm not even sure how Coach Smith's going to try to go about that issue, but I think it's more of a, in the locker room, you know, the leaders need to talk and be like, this is our biggest issue right now. And this is what's holding us out. And so we need to fix this. And like, they need to actually have like a real conversation from leader from the O-line, leader from the receivers, leader from the corners, leader from the safeties, leader to the linebackers, and leader to the quarterback. And, you know, when it happens, it's like, I need to own this. And, you know, I'm working on it and this, this shouldn't happen again. I got you guys back. So, yeah, it's not just, it's just not one area of the team either. It seems to be, it seems to be going on throughout, throughout the team on the penalties. Um, defensively, I don't, I don't know what to make of Oregon state's performance against Stanford. I mean, statistically it was fine. They gave up 359 yards. They gave up, uh, you know, three touchdowns, the, the, for the fifth time in six games, they they gave up less than 400 yards, which is is pretty good, really. I mean, if you give up less than 400 yards in college football today, you know it's not that's not bad. And Stanford's offense isn't isn't it's not the best, but it's not it's not terrible. I mean, the Tanner McKee is considered to be one of the better quarterbacks in the Pac-12. He, he has a good he has a good tight end and a good receiver. And and Filkins is a you know decent running back. The line, you know, is average. But so I I mean I I can't come away you know killing Oregon State State's defensive performance. But I've seen better, I guess, this year. I mean, I, what what did you think? I think you're right. It was a very average game. There's nothing you can really bash on them about or or talk badly. It's like you know they they've they've played better. They could have been better, but you know they got the job done. They kept them under 400 yards. That's great. But if you look at sort of the season and how it's sort of prevailed so far through weeks one through what, week five now, uh, going into week six, the games that we've won, and I'm pretty sure I'm fully correct on this, the games that we've won, we've had a turnover. We've had an interception to or, or a fumble. So, you know, like that's what we need to do because we need that energy. And so – you know, it's just a very average play, average game for the defense, but, you know, it works out. It worked out for that game. Yeah, it'd been, it'd been, I, I know they didn't have a, a takeaway against USC and Utah, and those were obviously losses. Um, I don't believe they had, I don't believe they had a takeaway against Fresno State, but, but yeah, I mean, takeaways, they, they, they make a big difference in a game. It didn't really impact this game that much, but Oregon State didn't have any turnovers either so so at least you know there was that i don't know i i one thing i always look for from this defense is how do they play on the second series because it seems like this defense oftentimes needs a series to see what they're doing see what see what fresno's doing seeing what montana state's doing seeing usc utah and they seem to play better on the second series once they once they get a little taste and same thing with stanford in that you know, their slow mesh offense. Stanford went right down the field and scored on the first drive. And then after that, I, you know, they kind of buckled, Oregon State kind of buckled down and, 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 and sort of controlled Stanford for, for most of the rest of the game. So I, from that standpoint, I was, you know, kind of impressed because that's something I, I kind of look at with this team. Um, now, a couple of the issues 
the the two point conversion on the on the winning touchdown where where Ben Gulbrinson just took a knee and they passed they they didn't even try to go for it instead of you know making a three point lead they just said nope we're just going to take a knee we're not going to give Stanford any chance at all to somehow get a takeaway and score on a two point you know you you can score on a two pointer you know in college football. Uh, Jonathan didn't want to open that door today. He said, you know, in retrospect, I wish we'd gone for it. He kind of felt bad. He said it was the wrong, too conservative. It was the wrong call, but particularly looking back, he said, you know, Stanford did have 13 seconds and two timeouts. So there was some possibility of Stanford, you know, doing something on that final drive, so in that respect, he he definitely thinks that was the wrong call, but and he owned it. So I don't know. I don't know more we could say about that one other than I know people were stunned that Oregon State just just altogether passed on that one. Yeah, it was a little stressful. I was definitely like, I don't know why he do that, but and then I mean, I'm happy he came up with the interception at the end. But uh, like, yeah, like I probably would have, you know, even go for two, especially since the play the time before. They couldn't kick the field goal, so they had to go for two because the long snapper was hurt. Uh, or on the sideline, I think he had a cut or something. So they didn't bring in a second-string snapper, so they went for two and didn't get the two-point conversion. So at that time, I'd be like, you have to go for two. Like, I feel like that'd be the smartest thing. But, I mean, Coach Smith said it himself. He was like, you know, uh, looking back, I would have gone for two. I own that. And, I mean, lucky to come out with a win. So, I mean, I think these are all moments of, you know, learning a lesson. So, like, when you look future games, you know what to do in the right circumstances. Yeah, I asked Jonathan today about the, uh, you know, going for it on for two from the from the get go on on the on the touchdown that made it twenty four sixteen, and where the where uh, Dylan Black had got hurt, the deep snapper had got hurt. Somebody had stepped on his hand in the third quarter. Um, and they do have a backup. They did take a backup on the trip, Peyton Hogan, who did snap on a punt. But Jonathan just decided, given that they'd already missed two field goal kicks, and uh, and they were having, you know, they had some, you know, we're going to a backup snapper. They decided to go for two. I still get the impression he was, he's still on the fence as to whether he should have done that or not. But he said it, that was his decision, and and he wasn't really looking back on that one. I I know the RG three killed Oregon State on TV over over that, but uh, you know I don't know I I mean he I did ask him I said if you had to kick a game winner with a PAT or a field goal would you have done it and he said yes we 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 could we could have done that so there was the option there it wasn't like he had no no option at all so I guess in retrospect probably should have kicked but. At least on the first on the first touchdown. So, um, yeah, there's regardless. always a difference. Yeah, there's always a difference between like you know a coach to a fan or a commentator. Where it's like I would have done this, but the coach did something different. It's like you know I never know what that coach's mindset is, but he sees something that I don't see. So you know I trust what he does until our season is zero and ten. You know. Yeah. So, but he saw something different, you know, I'll, I'll always be behind coach Smith where he's like, yeah, I want to go for two on this. Yeah. I know that we have the actual backup snapper, but I think we have the momentum. I think that 
we have these players that can make these plays. And, you know, if it doesn't work out, it didn't work out, but I still go with my gut decision. And it's like, all right, like, I respect that because, you know, there's a difference between me as a, I'm not going to ever say I can go up to Coach Smith's job and say I can do your job better. So it's like, you know, there's a reason why he called it. And I think that, you know, in his mind, it was going to work out the way he saw it. And it just didn't happen. Yeah. Um, I was just wondering as a player, when a coach makes a decision like that, that's kind of, off, off, you know, off the, he's taking a different ramp than usual. What, what are you guys thinking? Are you, are you, are you totally behind that? Or do you ever go, eh, what, what, I don't know about this. Oh, a hundred percent. Why would you do this? Like, this is sometimes it's just like, I don't understand why you would make that call. When we have this much momentum or we should just do this. Cause it just, it's logical sense. So yeah, you question some and you're just like, I don't know why you did what you did. Um, but you got to back it. I yeah. mean, there's nothing else you can do at that point. Um, I was watching the Washington state game and this is a good, this is a good, uh, sort of scenario. There was a fourth down call during the game and the quarterback looked at the coach and said, no, nah, let's do this. And so the coach said, all right. But I feel like in the mind of the coach, he was like, nah, we should be punting this. But the quarterback looked at him and said, let's do this. And that's the difference between a player and a coach, you know? And they didn't get the fourth down and they were on like the 50 yard line or the 40 yard line away side. So they weren't going in. They were on the opposite. So, you know, it's like you got 60 yards. You better put them on your 40. Why would you go for it? But, you know, that's the difference between a coach and a player. Like, well, you think you have momentum, but he's going to play. He's playing a chess game. You're a chess piece. That's well, I think I think we always we all know the player always wants to go for it. He never always. Upon it. Always. So, well, Stanford's in the rearview mirror now. Next up is for Oregon State is Washington State. A game will be at six o'clock on Saturday at Research Stadium. Um, the Cougars have eight consecutive wins over Oregon State. Eight. And guess who's a part of that streak? You were. <laughs> what, what, do you, what do you remember? About, well, you were. You were. Yeah, you were in two of them. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to remember. Let's see. Frustrating. It, it, I'm trying to remember what I'm trying to remember. I'm trying to remember that they were. They were. Neither one was all that close, was it? I if I remember. Actually, right, I, the second game we were up twenty-four to zero at halftime. Oh, and really? They came back. Yes, and they won it. They. I remember this game. I remember both Washington State games. Oh so yeah, oh, the thirty. The, yeah, the one that uh, Washington State won 35-31 in Corvallis. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that one. And then the year before that, we had Jake Luton getting hurt on the field, where right. everybody thought it was a career-ending uh, hit. That it was definitely a late hit, and the refs didn't call. Yeah, that was the fifty-two twenty-three game. But yeah, this streak started in uh, two thousand fourteen. Um, the Beavers lost thirty-nine thirty-two, and they have lost four straight games to the Cougars in Corvallis. So it doesn't seem to matter where the game's at. In fact, some of the closest games have been in Pullman. The last, the last two times Washington state and Oregon state have played in Pullman. I mean, the Beavers probably should have won both of those games and somehow they didn't. Um, what do you remember anything about playing Washington state or anything, anything, you know, in particular about that program or. They love to spread the ball out. They like to get it to the outsides, get it to the receivers, and let them go to work. 
their running backs are all pretty small but stocky. Um, their defense is decent, but it's not not beatable. It's beatable by far. But their offense is – they've always had just great quarterbacks that they just know what to do. And this is a year I'm excited to watch because their quarterback this year, uh, he throws the ball decently well. He makes some acrobatic – he tries to do miraculous plays. But the positive part about that is it can also go very bad. So I see, like, you know, we could really have some turnovers here during this game. We have the home field advantage. Um He's not like any other quarterback that Washington State's had in the past couple of years. And he's different, which is in a good way and bad way for them. But I think it's going to work to our benefit. Um, it's going to be a good game. I truly believe that. And I think we have the ability to come out with this one as well. The quarterback, yeah, this year's Cam Ward, um, and he is he is he is a little different than some of the Cougar quarterbacks of the past. I I've only seen him play once. I saw him play against Oregon, and that guy is slippery. I mean, he gets out of some jams that Caleb Williams couldn't get out of, and he and he makes some unusual throws. I think he likes he's in love with the sidearm throw. He doesn't throw the prettiest ball in the world, but you know he gets the job done. He's had he's thrown for almost seventeen hundred yards in in six games, so you know they they've got something going there. But really, actually, with the the strength of this team is is his defense. It's it's actually one of the better defenses in the Pac twelve. They, I mean they've 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 held some team they other than the Oregon game they they've been they've been solid this year they're and they're particularly good against the run which doesn't exactly fit Oregon State's you know strength I mean Oregon State may need to throw it more than more than they would want to throw and you know we may we may get to see how this team can do if they've got to throw the ball you know 30 35 times that that could happen Saturday. Well, I think like a uh, positive and a negative is I think that uh, Oregon State this year hasn't been predominantly strong in the run game up until late. You know, we've slung the ball around a decent amount, and our let of our we've let our outside receivers sort of do the work and you know like make their plays. So I think we'll do well, and you know, opening up the run game, we have to just be able to stay keep them uh, honest to the run. So I mean. We're going to have to do what we can in the run game, but as well as get the ball on the outside. Yeah, we're going to have to move it around. Um, yeah, they Washington State's played decent, de- played good defense through the year. I still think it's beatable. I think if, and again, like I was saying earlier in the podcast, Oregon State plays to their competition. So they come out fired up, we all come out fired up, especially with a home game. I hope that we'll come out even more fired up, and it's just going to be, it's going to be a good game to watch overall. Well, I think one of the differences between this Washington State team and and maybe the ones that that you might be recalling from your day and even recently is that you know Mike Leach was the was the coach for most of the streak, and he is decidedly an offensive guy. I don't think he even gets involved with defense, whereas. You know now now they're run by a guy that's that's a former defensive coordinator. So defense is his deal. Um, 
So we'll see. I I, I, I kind of think it's not going to. I, I kind of think this is going to be a low scoring game on Saturday. I I actually picked. I picked the Cougars to win twenty four twenty one. I could see the team winning, but I think it's going to be a lower scoring game. What What do you think? I'm so bad at picking scores, but I think it's going to be like a. It's going to be. I almost see it being like a twenty four twenty one game. Is that what you said? Yeah, twenty four twenty one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I see. You go. You're going. You're going. Beavers or Beavers or Cougars. I'm going to say the Cougars because every when I pick the opposite team, Oregon State does different. So I'm going to say Cougars. Well, you got to go with you got to go with what you think is going to happen, not what you <laughs> not 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 with the, not with not with the jinx version. Um, but if we, but if but but sounds like we're both going with Washington State with 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 the thought that either team could win the game. So um, I don't know. We'll see. I I it's only the second time I've picked. I picked against Oregon State this year. I, I I picked them to lose at Utah, and I no this this is uh, the only one I picked was Utah. Ever I picked them to win all the other games, um, so I've been right on most of them except for the USC game, and really that one could went, went either way as well. So, um, all right, well that's uh, I think we've done enough damage here. Um, so that's a wrap on this week's edition of Beaver Banner Podcast. You can find this podcast wherever you look for your favorite podcasts. Be sure to check out Oregon Live for all our Oregon State content. We'll be back next week to talk about the Beavers game against Washington State. And then we're going to look ahead to the, to the October 22 game against Mighty Colorado. Well, maybe not so mighty, but anyway, we'll see you next week. <laughs>